Test, test, test. You ready to go? Yes. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 31.3-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV, you've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week, we take a look at the February 3rd, 2012 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, small and mid-cap edition, which we've been doing for a little over a year now. Uh, we've got three terrific value ideas out of uh, this edition, but before we get to that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, this is a hobby for Mo and I. It's just after work. We're kicked back. Uh, during the week, we do a lot of very serious fundamental analysis, but we try to completely avoid that here on the show. Uh, third, bear in mind, we may not have your best interests in mind. We may be recommending you do the opposite of what you should do, so please do your own work. And fourth, uh, we're uh, we're heavily drinking, uh, which is why drinking we get together. more expensive wine. Yeah, we've stepped it up a little bit this week it's from the wine club. I pulled this out of my uh, horse wine haven, club. horse haven hills, horse heaven, horse heaven. Yeah, Ooh. Canoe Ridge Estate. It's a 2008 horses and canoes uh, cab. It's good. And I've never had it. Yeah, it's pretty good. So uh, see all our caveats. Uh, Nothing about wine, just a little bit about our who we are, where we've been, etc. at www.thevalueguys.com. There's also links to all the shows. There's about five years of shows. If you pull our RSS code in, you can find them by ticker. Uh, there's also a best ideas list there at that homepage, and who knows what else. I don't know. Have you been putting anything? Oh, there is one other thing. There is one other thing I want to mention. You know, we like to talk about fundamentals on the show. And, of course, uh, you know, everyone's always curious about the latest economic data point, et cetera. And there's a lot of debate about if the U.S. economy is going up, is it going down. Here's the summary. Uh, the United States, yeah, things aren't great at the moment, but we still have nearly twice, uh, I won't, well, a 50% increase of GDP per capita over most every other Western nation. The only couple that beat us are countries that are, you know, the size of, uh, you know, Nashville, like uh, Finland and Norway, not Finland, actually Norway and Switzerland are a bit higher than the United States and some of those other Nordic countries. But uh, we're doing very well in that area. Well, that comes under the sort of the economic principle of suck less, which is we suck less than they do. Yeah. Well, no, actually, we are now at the highest GDP. We've had some good numbers. In the history of the country right now, we've made up the losses. We've been through a big period from space and over the, you know, path of time. This isn't going to look like anything except a continuous growth rate since 5,000 years ago. And we're getting back and we're seeing some good news. But what I wanted to say is on the site right now is a link to the United States economic statistics from 1776 through... 1945. Now, traditional sources can take it from there. You can find data back to 1945. But I found data 
back to 1776, and I put it on the site. There's a link to it. It's a big file. I mean, it's, I think it's, I don't know, maybe not too big. It's about five megabytes, but it's about 400 pages. I think your wife is just trying to dig into it, Mo, isn't she? Well, you know, the, the interesting thing is that there's a lot to be learned. You look at the, the 1776 figures, and you can, I mean, like we're using it to price Facebook. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what's great. You really want that historical basis well, to be able then, to do business today. You can just extrapolate like uh, how many pencils per capita back then. It's right. still people trying to communicate. There's a lot to be learned from that. Well, you know, I tell you what, we're at a, we're at a pretty big firm here, and we actually have databases that go back to prehistoric times. <laughs> so we really, if you're going to do the fundamental analysis, and uh, we'll be adding a link. Don't leave out any time period. We'll be adding then. a link to that database <laughs> next week. So you can really, if you're going to go back, well, why not go all the way? So go we're back. just we're going to go back in in chunks. Right now, we've got it back to, to right. Back. You don't like the 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 Google tip, ticker symbol or the Facebook, sorry, ticker symbol. Um. Well, I just a brief comment. I mean, FB. I just think we could have gotten a little creative, but no, it's fine. I think it's very professional. I just saw an article where uh, 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 Zuckerberg was taking heat for not being more creative, but. But the face was taken, and uh, book uh, like I guess was taken. But no FB. I mean, if you're building a company for the ages, it's not a joke. So I, I actually like it. FB Facebook. Okay. Boom. I do too. So, All right. So let's. Now, yeah. Well, I had a section we were going to do uh, sections of the show. Yes. Remember. We so were. I had a section called um, browsing yeah. through the uh, national economic trends. And you had good job numbers this week. Well, the job numbers came out, but I just want to point out to listeners, because I want to get to some of these stock ideas, but it's a real good habit to get into, to go through the national economic trends from the Federal Reserve of St. Louis uh, pretty regularly. It's free. It's at their site. You page through it. It's like I, flossing, you know. You, you should, really, <clears throat> You just should do it. So last week, I think we were talking about some of the numbers in here, including the unemployment rate, and the fact that the unemployment rate was you know, down today. Uh, the recession in Europe was evidently canceled. You know, they cancel and put these things back on. But some of these trends are visible in this data. That's my point, Mo, is we talked last week, I think, I drew a line here, maybe that wasn't us talking about it, but the unemployment rate's been going down all through year. 2011. All year. And so that's no shock. You've got uh, real GDP growth moving along. You've got some positive, although, you know, choppy trend in industrial production moving along. You've got average weekly hours worked going up. And, you know, these trends are all evident really just by paging through this book once a week. It's about, uh, it is like flossing, but uh, maybe you should do this a little less often than flossing. But, but it, is, uh, it is good for you. And, and now let me, I got to ask you, you're yeah. a value guy. Yeah. What do you care? You're buying a store. You're going to hold it for two years. What do I care about the unemployment rate? Yeah, I mean, it's my, it might, for me, as a Mo guy, I'd, I want to play those moves. I want to know I want to be buying in front of the good jobs numbers, and I want to get out after it's got yeah. my little pop. But you're in this for, like, you don't, your time frame is like four, six, seven hundred years, right? Uh, well, it is in the years. It tends to be, you know, four years or Oh, it's so. that close. Yeah. Uh, why? Well, look. You know, a, a stock price is P-E times E. 
I don't want to get too complicated. And P.E. is the applause meter well, of a stock. The higher it is, the higher the applause meter. The lower it is, the lower the now, applause meter. Now, okay, that's a Mo guy. Uh, what I do with P.E. as a value guy is I flip it over. E.P. Now I'm looking at a yield if I owned all the equity. E over P is a yield. Now the reason it ends up kind of being... Uh, an applause meter, because I don't entirely disagree with my friend Mo, is simply that the earnings yield is made up of two things, the required return minus the growth. So if I'm looking at a, uh, I don't know, let's make the math easy, a 10 PE, that's a 10% earnings yield, and that might very well be something that is growing at 10%, but uh, requires a uh, 20% uh, return. And so part of that is the earnings yield and part of it is the growth. And so, you know, it's not always clear what the growth rate in the future is going to be, but as that number goes up, my earnings yield can go down because more of my total return is covered by the growth rate. So as people get happy and excited and optimistic, in effect, their prediction in fundamental land of future growth is going up and therefore the current earnings yield can go down as long as the uh, expected return stays the same, I'm just getting a bigger share of that in growth. And so I kind of agree with you. It's an applause meter in the sense of the optimism that's coming in to the name. And so, you yeah. can You can tell that you talk to institutions and I talk to retail brokers. Well, this is... It's th an applause meter. Uh, this, <laughs> is why, this is why, though, you look at the jobs numbers and you look at economic data. I mean, we don't have models where we plug numbers in and outcomes what we should do. But in terms of thinking about what the earnings estimates should be, uh, we, we do full 10-year models on all our names. Not for the show, but professionally. And so when you, you know, see the economy growing, you make your estimates at a, you know, at a, at a macro level in terms of the economy and different sectors. Now, we pick stocks bottom up. We look at individual stocks, but they all have earnings estimates and revenue estimates that actually are driven, of course, by what we think that sector is going to do within the economy and then whether we think they're going to gain or lose market share. And so, yeah, we care about this stuff a little bit in terms of... Uh, how our estimates come out, Mo. So, yeah, but that was an interesting... And you uh, find that that, that does that uh, very, pretty very elaborate analysis, and you think that, uh, in your opinion, that that does work better than throwing darts. Well, then, you know, I do think that. Have, you, have you actually ever tested the thesis? You know, there was a Wall Street Journal thing yeah. Many years ago, remember they had yeah. that dartboard versus, well... A lot of people said it was rigged. If you've taken any statistics, you know that in order to have your statistical estimate be accurate, you got to have a lot of observations. You can't look at three things to see what the group is. And the fact is that over our lives as professionals, you really don't get enough observations to be that sure if you're lucky or smart. And actually, the people who are dumb, and I don't know who they may be. I may very well be one of them. But you don't admit to it. You just think you're, you say you're early. So why is that stock not working? Are you dumb? No. I'm too smart. You're early, right. Yeah. So no, everyone that does this, if you ask them, is above average. So, you, you know, it's uh, – but I, I do think there's uh, value in trying to have a sense for the 
direction of the economy, the company you're looking at, look at small ones because no one is. You'll get some proprietary information and that information is going to help you make a very sound judgment on whether that company will gain share or lose share within an industry, but obviously the direction of that industry is going to depend in a good deal a bit on uh, a good deal in the direction of the economy. So you got to pay a little bit of attention to that. So are those are those your uh, your top choices to look at or are there more? What? Which ones? This the the, the graphs this? you were just going through. Uh, well, we spent enough time on that. Right. I didn't pick any new ones. I think we're Good. in the, you know, there's pretty solid evidence that the e economy is going to just continue to tick along. Uh, obviously, people want some clarity on what, you know, the, I mean, Washington needs to start to put some rules down that last a long time. I mean, I certainly have my favorite rules, but, and you may have different ones, and that's all fine, but what I would say is whatever the rules are going to be, Make them last a long time so people can, you know, start to make plans without worrying that the rules are going to keep changing. And we won't have to keep changing our models, which is a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that uses that's up a, lot a lot of work. Of, a lot of keyboards. So. Yeah. All right. So you have anything this, Mo, or, uh, this week, Mo? Or? No, we're starting we... off with uh, our first stock. Gaming Partners. Okay. Where's my, where's my stock? There we go. Well, what I liked about this one, Gaming Partners, GPIC, um, and we're going alphabetical this week, um, uh, is, uh, you know, it's a, what is it? It's a manufacturer and supplier of casino tables, chips, uh, what else? Cards, furniture, dice, um, and what else? You know, all that kind of stuff you need in a casino, what have you. Now, I own, we own some uh, casino stocks here in the shop. We own Monarch Casino, which we've talked about on the show. You can dial that up. Um, in fact, you can Google Value Guys Monarch Casino, and I think a link to the show comes up. That's uh, what's been going on in Google Land. But the group has been under a ton of pressure because we've been through this enormous consumer recession. So if people aren't buying coffee tables and toasters, you can be sure they're not gambling. And so there's been a lot of weak numbers, and we, in the, again, in the shop, we're looking at the gambling numbers coming out of Las Vegas. You can get this stuff. It's public information from the uh, Nevada Gaming Commission, and they put out numbers for Las Vegas and Reno and, you know, whatever other towns they have out there, Laughlin. And the numbers are starting to at least flatten, and they're hinting at moving a little higher. We just, you know, we're seeing these better job numbers, GDP numbers. It's just all unfolding the way things unfold when people start to have a little optimism, glass half full, not half empty. And so I know from our work in these other names that there's been a lot of um, delay in refurbishing casinos because the business has been so bad. So there's you know, things just wear out over time, but they haven't been spending the money because the traffic's been down. The conventions have been down. Well, that's all starting to flip around. And so one of the things I like about this in gambling, it's a play on the, in the turnaround in gambling, and I'd argue that it's one of the few places in consumer land that still hasn't fully recovered because it's one of the last places that your wife is going to let you go spend money when you've been worrying about losing your job. It's just starting to... Uh, come back, but you with, with these guys, you don't make a bet on a particular location. They sell this stuff to, to everybody and all over the world, so it's nice. They have no debt, $3 in cash. The stock's at $6. 
So half the cap is in cash right now, no debt. They do have a choppy history, but they've always earned money at the operating level. So their their worst year was, um, excuse me, their worst year was 07, because casinos must have just stopped in their tracks buying anything. But they, you can see they've been improving their costs because uh, sales in 07 were 59 million. They're 59 million last year, and yet the margin uh, was up. Uh, 900 basis points on the same level of sales and so you know they took a chop to, to expenses and over the same period again in a in a period that's sluggish on sales they've been improving their uh, return on capital uh, which is not at peaks but is certainly been improving during this week period and is 10 percentage points better than it was in 07 so there's signs that these guys could really deliver if uh, demand recovers, and I get the sense it will because I know people have been uh, postponing uh, CapEx and things like that. And, and it's cheap. It's 12 times earnings. Uh, Value Line doesn't like it, but they're a little bit momentum-driven. So uh, Yay. There you have Yay, it. Value line. Yeah. Quick observation. If you look in the, um, in the business description, they have Bourgogne de Gasset which obviously sells Baccarat equipment, and then Bud Jones. <laughs> Bud Jones is one brand name, and Bourgeon et Garcet, oh, yeah, pour me a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah, we've got a little Bourgeon et Garcet is the other brand name. Do you think they're appealing to two different markets, or uh, what? what's that about? Uh, clearly, those should not have been on the same blurb, you know. Anyway. I think they don't sh ever show up together anywhere anyway. else. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting is that even if the whole gaming industry isn't really doing well, this company grows not just by the existing gaming industry, but every time a new casino opens in a new state, these are the guys that provide the stuff to fill those casinos. And we know that as states, or we believe that as states over the course of the next five years are squeezed of their federal funds, they're going to have to make up the... They're going to have to make it up the revenue somewhere, even in uh, even in their own tax in uh, income. They're they're seeing that tax base erode, so more of them are turning to gaming as a way to fill those coffers. Yeah. So imagine what would happen with this company if all of a sudden you had nine states that approved gaming. Who's going to supply all of the stuff for those casinos? Yeah. So. Um, I'll do a little research, see are there, how many states are there that may be on you the know, verge of approving You know, that's a good point, this? Mo. I think, um, I think a lot of states have that on the agenda right now, and I don't know the number. That's a good point. So here's an easy, here's an easy analysis. You go and you, you find how many states where the legislation exists, put some odds on it, how many casinos by state, then, then find out. Do the math. Yeah, how many, how many, uh, how much uh, revenues per casino do these guys do? So I like the story. Green Hill, which was the next idea, and I did spill wine on the other one. Green Hill is an independent investment banking firm, and fortunately for you, they actually do have uh, kind of similar charts in the recent time. Now, Green Hill, I'm attracted to primarily the yield, four percent. That's what caught my eye. Um, the problem with the yield is they're paying a dollar eighty dividend, and the earnings are a buck twelve, and then a buck forty-four, 
And it's not until next year that they're estimated to be 208 and have that dividend covered. But the fact, we've talked about this on past shows, the fact that they're paying a buck 80 suggests that management and the board is pretty confident in that 208. The other thing I'd notice is operating margin is 28%. That's high in anybody's book, except it's their worst one on the page. These guys normally do 40% operating margins. And, you know, in the investment banking business, that sounds about right. There's no heavy machinery uh, or anything like that. And the primary tool is computers, which keep going down in price, or real estate, which keeps going down in price. So um, I think it's entirely going to be driven by an improving economy. Wall Street uh, compensation is down a lot, which actually, when business recovers, uh, I don't think fees have changed in terms of percentages on the deal. And I also think that when long bonds are at 2%, the multiples can be high. Uh, the long bond trades at 50 times pre-tax, and that's not lost on people that understand annuities. And so I think business for these kinds of M&A firms can snap back and snap back fast. Um, and so uh, particularly remember, if you sell a business, that's capital gains. And I know it's going up, but, you know, maybe it's not going up in 2012. So there's some incentive to do your deal this year, and I think that could come into play, and there'll be a general recovery. Uh, the multiple isn't great on current earnings, but I, it's 14 times EBITDA, which would be 7% cash-on-cash return, which is not good enough for me. But if we look at their peak margin, which was 46%, and, and that was after five years of doing over 40%. So I'm going to guess they could get back to that. That's just how many, that's just headcount to deal size. That's all. They'll fix that. And so revenue will get back. On the current revenue, if they were at that margin, it would be six times EBITDA, which again is a multiple I do like. So Green Hill. Now, you uh, were a little negative on it because of the – there's well, no sign of a recovery, which I think you're right about that. I was looking at that now, but the thing that intrigues me is you take a look at what's happened in the stock recently. Stock's been amazing performer. Well, where it's off – yeah, so the low was 26. And, and it looks like it's trading 40 or something, 43. Not, not a bad move. So here's a sort of big-picture question. We, we found – companies that we legitimately think are absolute takeover candidates, four or five in the last ten shows, and uh, are we on the verge of a big wave of mergers and acquisitions as these undervalued companies get, get consolidated and get sucked up, and doesn't that play well to them? Basically, that's what they do. They do mergers and acquisitions advisory work. Yeah. So if that whole market is about to explode, there are not a lot of these guys right. out there that you can invest in. Yeah, right. It's pure play. And so, yeah, yeah there, you, you read about all these with the one percenters that are going to make all this money on the M&A work. Well, how does the average guy get in through a company like this? Yeah. So it's a cool long-term play. I like it. Yeah. Join the one percenters. By Green Hill. If you can't we should get a feed them, <laughs> join them. Yeah, come on. All right. Next up, we've got uh, a company called uh, Sega Communications, ticker SGA. This is the A class. Evidently, there's a B class, which typically 
is the class that the they're never family as, they're owns. never as smart as the A class. Uh, well, I was in the A class. Were you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. the B class sometimes has all the voting rights, so it's not and, clear which yeah. one's smart. And the pretty girls were always in the B class. Really? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Well, uh, what do these guys do? Broadcast company. It's trading at twelve times earnings, so that's why I picked it out. They have um, just a little bit of debt. Unfortunately, it's the same size as their equity, so they have just a little bit of equity as well. Their market cap is uh, four million shares times thirty-eight bucks, so what's that? About one hundred and fifty million or something like that. Um, they are a broadcast company. They engage primarily in acquiring, developing, and operating radio and television stations. So again, they're going to make nice fees for transactions, um, and I think. At these interest rates um, and, you know, uh, pressure on just business in general, M&A is a way to enhance your company um, that, uh, you know, you don't need a good economy to engage in. You need low interest rates, and that's what we have. They've got a bunch of um, FM stations, AM stations. Now, you may think that Internet and Sirius and all that is taking share, and, and they are. But um, radio's free, and there's a lot of people, you know, that won't pay a dime to listen to radio, to listen to radio or watch TV. And there's still big markets for, for um, you know, advertising on free radio. And I think we're in a period here. And you, if you look at some of the advertising stocks, they're recovering nicely during this period because advertising is on the way back. It comes back with economies, and so these guys basically sell advertising. It's six and a half times EBITDA. Uh, half the market cap is debt, so I'm not a giant fan of that. But uh, my guess is, that, again, interest rates are probably pretty low, so that their coverage is pretty good. I'm not, I'm not seeing that calculation here, but uh, I'm also not seeing what the interest expense is. So I can't give you that information. You got to look that up. But um, even if the rate here is 5% on the debt, that would make the payment $3.5 million, and it looks like their operating uh, income is about $40 million, so it would be 10, 11, 12 times covered. In good years, these guys earn a double-digit return on capital, and their best year on the page was 2010. The estimates for uh, this year are, you know, there's a little spot on Value Line that shows the quarterlies, and they've been up a little bit. Here going forward, the estimate is uh, for 2011, the year just about to end here, is down from 2010, but then a 50% gain next year to, to 370 on a $38 stock. So 11 times forward earnings, six and a half times EBITDA. And there's no yield, but the theme on this would simply be advertising recovery. Again, Value Line doesn't like it because. Uh, who knows? The chart doesn't look good. But I think that um, this thing looks like it could have some nice leverage in a recovering economy here in 2012. You know, one of the things as a, as a momentum guy you learn is what's gonna, what, what story is going to drive the stock. And uh, this, this has got a very interesting story. One, they're tiny. They only got 60 radio stations that are FM, 30 that are AM, so they're a tiny company. They're probably Small. a buyout candidate themselves. Well, I'm just thinking, even if a market, when you're a company like this and you're a good acquirer, and you can obviously see that the stocks, look what the stock's done since 2008. It's yeah. gone straight up. They're a good acquirer. Even if the market is flat, 
These guys continue to drive growth by acquiring and aggregating smaller radio stations. They can, they can have great growth even in a flattish market. So long term, I like the story. Short term, we got an election year coming up. If you looked at what these guys are spending, Obama's going to spend a billion dollars. Do they think right. that's going to go to mailers? <laughs> <laughs> that's going to go to everybody. You know, that, that kind of a tsunami yeah. wave of cash coming out of even these little companies. Yeah, good point. So what you usually see is you usually see during these cycles a little bit of a pop in earnings, not even much, a little, which is value line showing, but then you see the applause meter go on. Yeah, right. So you have multiple expansion. Those can, So like the story, short term because election year, like the longer term because they're an aggregator. Well, back when you look, when, when people had confidence, this thing gets a very nice premium to the market, and right now it's And what was the last election year? Well... Uh, what well, you know, last election cycle, mm-hmm. we were what smack happened? dab. It was half the market multiple. Mm. So it's because we were in the the, yeah, the market. Yeah, we were in the you know in the in the I think fourth quarter of two thousand eight. Industrial production went straight down. It had, it hadn't been that bad since nineteen eighty one. So everything halted, and the heavily you know the debt heavy companies got pummeled. So you know I'll just yeah the stock in two thousand nine. You could have paid $3, and now it's $38. So as a momentum guy, you have to say, or maybe not you, but some chartists would just say, whoa, I don't know. But when you look at it, you know, there was just um, obviously panic around those companies with debt. And we didn't own this one, but in the shop, we own CBS. We The, the CBS chart just looks like, like this, you know, and people got so panicked. Um, but and now so, I think you look at what's happening recently, and I think they're probably reacting to the stocks reacting to those two big trends. I think you got a nice short-term story. These things always trade well in an election cycle, and I think you got a nice long-term story. So yeah, it's kind of okay. Interesting. So do you have a favorite this week, Mo? Or you know, um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Saga, uh, ticker symbol SGA, and I like it for two reasons. Um, in the very near term, like I said, there's an election cycle. You look at what these guys are, Barack Obama is going to spend a billion dollars in advertising, and uh, that's going to affect all these small companies, and it's a small company, so that, you know, it gets lifted proportionally higher than its bigger, heavier uh, market cap brethren. So I like that. And uh, longer term, I like the fact that they're an aggregator, so they could ride this wave of profitability for the next for this election cycle use that money to begin the continue the acquisition process of other stations and even if the market's flat if you're buying stuff in a flat market you're getting bigger your stock price is going up my favorite uh you know i'm going to uh go a different way this week mo uh i'm going to like uh, i like this green hill and company ticker g h l the theme deal recovery they've got two businesses Advising mergers and acquisitions, and secondly, private equity. Uh, we're in an environment where the economy is improving, capital gains taxes are still low. I think you're going to see a lot of deal activity in the forward 12 months. And uh, it's not super cheap, but you do get a 4% yield right now. That's, uh, they're paying a higher dividend than earnings, but actually, management chose to raise it to that. Uh, and my guess is that, you know, they're pretty optimistic about the next couple of years. So Green Hill and company, ticker GHL. 
Right. Well, we'll see because we're playing for we're playing for keeps real money now. Point. Yep. Yep. Real money. Yep. We've got a big, big bet, big bet going on now, Mo. You and I. Right. Yep. No? So, uh, yeah. So. 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 Have a good weekend. Look for our commercial on the Super Bowl. The value guys <laughs> you gonna, put something up are going to be there. It's uh, there's a few stars that you're going to recognize, but uh, yep. Right. So look for us there. All right. Well, and if you happen to not see us there, see everything about us at www.thevalueguys.com, and we'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening.